This episode of The Juggle Podcast is sponsored by Law CPD. Law CPD are very kindly offering all our listeners 25% off all of their courses until the end of December. To find out what kind of courses Law CPD have to offer, please go to their website, which is lawcpd.com.au for a full list, including professional development courses, courses specific to different areas of law, and also courses around wellbeing and health. To take advantage of the discount, you just need to use the discount code THEJUGGLE at the checkout. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Olovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. It may go without saying, but given that we're talking about Me Too, we're going to be talking about incidences of sexual harassment and sexual assault. If you have personal experience of this, it is possible that some of the content that you'll hear during this episode will be upsetting. So please bear that in mind and make a safe choice about whether or not to continue to listen to this episode. Hi, everyone. It's Joel Lilovich here. And Lucy Dickens. Welcome back to the Juggle Podcast. Today, we want to talk about Me Too. And when we say that, I probably should say hashtag Me Too, because it's all about the movement that started just over a year ago and has created waves and waves and waves all the way around the world. And the reason why we are talking about this today is because it has been a year since the hashtag went viral in October 2017. And we thought we would take the opportunity to reflect on what what the Me Too movement means and also to see where we think we've come in a year. So Me Too started, like I said, in October 2017 and was aimed to demonstrate just how widespread things like sexual harassment and sexual assault are, particularly in the workplace. Yeah, it was after the Harvey Weinstein allegations came forward that people started to really sit up and take notice because someone so high profile was finally being accused in a very public way for sexual misconduct. It was at that time that Alyssa Milano, the American actress, encouraged people to tweet about their experiences of sexual harassment using that hashtag MeToo, which was first used, I don't know, 10 years before by another American. And since then, MeToo has taken on a bit more of a broader definition and it's more about accountability on violence against women and sexism more generally, but the starting point was absolutely sexual harassment and sexual assault in the workplace. So what we've seen is that some high-profile people who against whom allegations were made have been fired or they've stepped down, but we also see that there are many who haven't. Yeah, and a lot of times that depends on what laws are um, applying in each particular place where the allegations are made. So in America, we've had the Kavanaugh matter, which has resulted in him remaining there in the court, nothing really seeming to have worried him too much because he's there and it's been forgotten by the media. And same with Trump. Same with Trump, of course. And then here in Australia, it's had a bit of a different effect. We've had, again, most of the high-profile allegations have been against high-profile people, such as people in the entertainment industry like Craig McLaughlin and Don Burke. And whilst that's led to Don Burke definitely stepping aside, others like Craig McLaughlin and Jeffrey Rush have just brought defamation proceedings. In terms of the broader implications, I think there have mainly been two. And the first is that there's been an increased awareness in sexual assault and sexual harassment, and particularly in the workplace, as we keep saying. And 
it's easy to be blind to this if you don't see it or experience it yourself. I remember when this stories, especially the ones in Australia, started coming out, I was having conversations with people and I was in shock because I haven't experienced this or witnessed this or to the extent that these a lot of people have that we hear about in the media. So I think one of the most important things that the movement has done is to increase the awareness. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think the other thing is allowing people to feel like they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. know, they're, they're hearing other people's stories and going, oh, thank God, it's not just me. Oh, I didn't actually realise that that was sexual assault or sexual harassment, as uh, it has been the case for a lot of people who've just sort of thought that their story was just the way the world was and that's something that they needed to deal with. So I think it's fantastic that by bringing all these stories out and encouraging people to tell them has given a lot of other people the support that they needed. Yeah, it has absolutely empowered people to speak up and to talk about the things that they've experienced. And it's interesting you say about the comment about recognising things that would fall into these categories that we may not otherwise have done. We asked in our Facebook group about people's experiences Mm. or what they had to think or what they had to say about Me Too. And that one came up in there, you know, things like being groped in a nightclub that before this people thought were just drunk men or probably more like boys. And this has made us realise that actually that's not acceptable behaviour and it's not just okay and we just should just brush it off. Yeah, absolutely. And when we were preparing for the episode, we did some research around some stats to show that what's happening here in Australia And fortunately, the Australian Human Rights Commission and the Sex Discrimination Commissioner have done a number of studies over the years, and we've got some recent stats about what's happening here. So the Sex Discrimination Commission's latest survey found that 39% of women and 26% of men experienced sexual harassment in the workplace over the last five years, and that survey was of 10,000 people. And the ABS 2016 survey, which was the most recent, which surveyed 20,000 people, found that 53% of women and 25% of men experienced sexual harassment over their lifetime. But what I found more interesting was that there are only 200 sexual harassment complaints lodged at the Human Rights Commission per year. Just a drop. Yeah, I think that worked out to four per week or something like that. And I mean, that is telling us that sexual harassment is so common, but that it is still not being reported. Yeah, and I think there's a combination of people being unwilling to report because they're really concerned about the impact that the report is going to have on them personally. Mm -hmm. I also think it's still those people who don't realise that they have been sexually harassed, so they don't know that that's something that they could be reporting. And I think there's also the fact that some things are just dealt with in-house, so they don't have an opportunity to get to the commission, which is great if they're being dealt with in-house in a professional and appropriate way. One of our listeners shared her personal story with us and she's happy for us to share it with you anonymously. And her story, and especially the way she finishes explaining this to us, is a great example, I think, of one of the reasons why people aren't reporting or they're not speaking up. And it's because we feel like we would be under attack. What's in it for you? You're in it for the money. You're trying to get something out of this as opposed to anything else. So this is what she has to say. And I'm reading her words here. At the age of 20, I worked in a hotel as a waitress on a traineeship. The head chef was towering and intimidating French man. One day he cornered me in the kitchen and said he could rape me and no one would ever know. I looked at him straight in the eye and calmly said that he couldn't say that. I remember distinctly how he replied with his nauseating French accent. I can say what I like. It's my kitchen. 
I resigned and took them to court. I remember their lawyer was trying to brand me for being some kind of gold digger. Such a common thing to hear the victim being blamed. Mm. And it's really interesting the different ways that that can happen. So, for example, this example where they're saying that you're blamed for bringing it and you're just bringing this, this legal action because you want money out of it. Or it might be that you're blamed for perhaps leading the man on in circumstances where there's a man approaching you. And some recent stuff that's come up in Australia, there was some allegations that a reporter made against a politician. And in that case, the politician is, of course, bringing defamation proceedings because that's what everybody's doing these days, apparently. And in the proceedings and in the discussion that's happening in the media, there's been a few comments like, just remember that it's not the woman who's on trial here. On trial, yeah. It's actually the newspaper or the, the media outlet who reported that is being sued and having the allegations brought against them. And that's another reason that is often raised, at least in the research that I did preparing for this episode, as being a reason why people aren't talking about this or bringing complaints or raising complaints necessarily. And that's because of the way our defamation laws are. And it was Tracy Spicer, I think, in a recent interview who said that those laws are inhibiting journalists from being able to investigate and report on stories because of the fear or the concern that they will be sued. Mm. And it's difficult because I can totally understand the idea that we need to protect people and that, you know, they're innocent until proven guilty. But it feels like the balance is a bit out of whack at the moment, that most of the protection is on the person who's accused as opposed to the person who's got a story to tell that needs some action taken. Mm. So in terms of changes, I absolutely think we see more awareness. We definitely see more awareness and we see, to some extent, women feeling more empowered to talk about these things, although there are still things that are standing in the way of people speaking publicly or reporting this kind of behaviour. But it's interesting that what I read is that some of the most progressive or some of the most change has occurred within workplaces themselves where businesses are now much more aware of, of these kinds of things and alive to them, focusing on them happening or being aware that they may happen within the structure of the workplace and what they can do about that. What have you seen with that from your employment law practice? I have done more investigations and advice work (laughs) around sexual harassment in the last 12 months than I have for any other 12 months before that. Mm. So it's definitely resulting in change in workplace in terms of people coming forward with complaints and I'm seeing some really interesting things so you see employers who are like oh we've got this allegation that's been made against one of our employees but you know we've done everything right in terms of we have a policy we've put them through some training and here's this allegation so we obviously don't want there to be sexual harassment happening in our workplace but what more can we do do? yeah and one of the matters that I've dealt with recently you know resulted in the woman choosing to leave the workplace Mm. and that leaves an employer in a difficult situation of feeling relieved in some respect that the problem has gone if you can call it that the problem but it also leaves them feeling unfulfilled because they don't really know whether or not the action occurred they don't really know if there's something else that they could have done to prevent it and they're left in a kind of limbo about what they should do moving forward And it still sounds like blame the victim. The victim is the one who has to move on and find a new career or a new place of employment and everybody else just lives happily ever after. It's not really changing anything for the perpetrator. 
Yeah, and that'll depend on the individual circumstance. So if there has been an investigation and there is some findings that sexual harassment did occur, then there should absolutely be some kind of disciplinary action against that individual. The difficult thing for women, I think, who report harassment is that sometimes they go into it believing that if they report it, it will mean that the man will be removed from the workplace, but that's not necessarily going to happen. And, you know, it may be that they're just disciplined in other ways. And that can be really hard for the women who report because depending on their individual circumstances as well, they may be more likely to suffer negative consequences from sexual harassment than other women. For example, if they've had a troubled background or if they have mental health problems or or whatever it might be, you know, some people are, are more susceptible to having further issues. And all of those things are difficult to take into account. Do you think that the Me Too movement has helped to bring awareness to those things? So not just to the fact that this is happening and it's common and it's everywhere, but also that it really does have an impact on women's lives going forward. And it's not just a case of it was a drunk man and we just kind of accept it as just being what they do, but that actually these things can have lasting implications. Yeah, I do. And what I think the challenge is, is that generally in society, there are some things that you know, men and women do that have always been done in some respects. For example, you might meet a new man and give him a handshake, whereas you Mm. meet a new woman and you give her a kiss on the cheek. And it's one of those really small, subtle things that you kind of say, well, why is it okay for me to, for a man to meet a new woman and kiss her on the cheek when he would just give another man a handshake? And it's little things like that, that I think women have been experiencing in the workplaces that no one perhaps has really questioned. Those sorts of things are now starting to get noticed as well. I guess things like that make me think of sexist remarks and comments, which I've definitely experienced. I'm sure we all have. And those are the kinds of things that we just often just brush off or ignore or change the conversation or move on. And I guess partly that is in my case, because I just, I'm not interested. I can't be bothered in engaging in that kind of conversation, but also partly you just want to ignore it and move on. Yeah. And look, I think one of the other things that's come out of Me Too is there's been a lot of backlash about Me Too and people saying that it's caused a lot of negative things. Yeah. There's a lot of people speaking up about, you know, men's rights and this isn't all men. Yeah. Absolutely. This isn't all men. And there might, you know, I, I hope in the majority of cases, men who might be doing some things that can be found to be sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. And remember that in terms of a definition here in Australia, sexual harassment is just unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature, whether that's jokes, comments, whatever it might be. It doesn't have to be intended by the person doing that conduct that it offend or Mm -hmm. harass or humiliate. It's just in terms of the perception of the person who's on the receiving end. So I appreciate that it is difficult for men who have always done something and all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of women saying, well, you can't do that. And they're like, but that's what I've always done. And it's who I am. No one ever told me it was a problem. Why is it suddenly a problem? What do you think's next? I think we're going to keep seeing more of the same. So I think that definitely employers have been making more efforts. More people than ever have policies around sexual harassment and how to report cases. We're getting really clear about the need for anonymous reports. In a lot of workplaces before, if you wanted to make a complaint, you had to fill in a form and put it in. Now we're seeing the right 
to make anonymous complaints and the need for employers to investigate those complaints, whether or not they know who the alleged victim is. Mm. And the behaviour is becoming less acceptable, isn't it? Yeah. And people are starting to understand what's not acceptable, you know, Mm -hmm. especially around work. It's not okay to just give someone a hug or put your arm around them or pat them on the shoulder or physically touch them at all if they haven't consented to that. I think that's a big one. And making a joke about how someone looks or commenting on what they're wearing, we are really starting to see some change around that. Yeah. And a lot more training. So that is what we've seen, I guess, one year on since Me Too. And I'm really interested to see if it is just continuing at the same pace or whether it starts to accelerate. And that may come when we finally get the next lot of results from the next sex discrimination commissioner. It'll be interesting to see the comparisons and to see if the numbers of reports increase or decrease or stay the same. And like you mentioned, I think a lot, perhaps even a lot more of it is being dealt with internally now, which is reducing the need for the public reports. So it's hard to kind of gauge. But I think one thing that's very common that comes through is that whatever the statistics say, we think the incidents of these kinds of behaviour are actually much, much more common. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you for listening today. There's a slight change of pace, but we thought it was an important conversation or an important topic that we wanted to touch on. Just a reminder that Law CPD are offering 25% off all of their courses for the remainder of December. If you are interested in that, go and check the courses out on their website, lawcpd.com.au, and you can use the code THEJUGGLE at checkout to get the 25% discount. See you next week. Happy juggling. Bye.